I'm Josh Corcoran, and these are CJSW Stories. CJSW Stories is a show about the people behind the mic and behind the scenes sharing their stories of making great radio. My guest today is Adam Camus, host of The Failed Pilot, station manager, and chief cook and bottle washer. What brought you to CJSW? Ooh, interesting question. Well, uh, I growing up, I was avidly listening to radio because it was free. Um, and that was in an age where free music didn't really exist in a meaningful way. So uh, hearing interesting programming there, you know, I definitely grew up as a, like a classic rock cat. But, you know, uh, you know, slipping a little left of the dial onto CJSW from the classic rock station. I heard like tons of weird, interesting music that I'd never heard before. Kind of really coalesced for me though, uh, in the year, uh, in between graduating high school and then attending university, I took kind of like a gap year and I worked a, a, a retail job where I would be sent on product shops. Essentially I would be sitting in my car outside my employer's competition, monitoring how many people went into the competition store and what they walked out with, if anything at all. And that's just essentially a four or five hour block of me listening to the radio and drinking Slurpees in my car. And I heard the programmers that I would usually go on like Thursdays and Fridays and heard the programmers. And it sounded like people that really were interested in some cool music and had interesting stories to tell. I remember programs like, uh, the six Guinness afternoon or, uh, star search rejects and stuff like that really kind of, uh, got me interested in, in doing radio because it sounded like people just like me doing it. And then I, you know, looking for what I want to do in life. I was like, well, might as well get to see what this radio business is all about. And I walked in the station and asked about volunteering and I haven't left since. Started volunteering. In what year? Well, the first time I walked in the station was December 4th, 1997. Uh, I started really volunteering in earnest, like spring 1998. Um, and I had my own, my first show by end of summer of 98. And, uh, yeah, uh, that's, that, that's kind of when it all started for me. And, you know, I've been pretty much on air except for a couple, couple of years, for different reasons, I wasn't on air, uh, for the last 25 years. So when you started, what was the training process like? Yeah, well, it started out with an orientation and at that time, CJSW had a staff of three people, not a staff of, uh, eight, which we have now. Um, you know, mind you, we weren't really broadcasting online then, and we were a much smaller entity. So, you know, understandably had few resources, but one of those resources we didn't have was a volunteer coordinator that used to be done by the kind of orientation and, and what have you was done by volunteers, uh, initially. And then, you know, being a student, uh, it afforded opportunities for me to just drop in and like process CDs, very similar to what we have now where st students just kind of come on in and do whatever, uh, hang out, you know, do all that kind of stuff. But the on-air training piece was not dissimilar to what we do now. Mind you, we have to do way more now than we had to do way back then in terms of, uh, you know, what kind of knowledge base and the knowledge base has shifted a little bit now where, you know, I was just 
developing or just acquiring my first records for my record collection at that point. Um, but I didn't really have a turntable to spin them. So I learned how to do that here and, and, you know, through, through, uh, my broadcast training. And then, um, it's, it, it was on a show called miscellaneous debris. I did this training with Cam Hayden, who, uh, was a, a programmer here Monday nights, 11 till midnight. And it was great. And I learned so much about what you could do on this station and how you can push the envelope and how you can challenge listeners and all that kind of fun stuff, uh, that we, you know, now is so important, uh, for us to kind of keep in, keep in focus, but, uh, also learned all these kind of technologies that have, uh, served me well throughout. I'm glad I learned how to set up a turntable properly by you know, learning how to do that here and stuff like that. But, you know, the training was the same four week period, but it is, uh, it has changed substantially in terms of what, what things are being considered. Like there was no digital media other than our mini disc players that we used to play for ads. And I think I joined the station not too long after mini discs were adopted, replacing the old carts, which were like a track cassette players, which was how ads and pre-recorded content was run. And we could only run certain lengths of, of pre-recorded content too. you know, all the radio was live at that point. CJSW has seemed to open a lot of doors for you in your life. Um, whether that be learning new music or things like that. So what other doors did it open for you? Excellent question. This is, uh, something I often relay to new volunteers, especially about, you know, with volunteers that might be coming to CJSW where they may not actually know radio too much or be f so familiar with it. And you know, like what's the benefit to me. And it's like one of those things when I joined, I, the doors that opened was like a whole new world of friends, like graduating out of high school. Like you're at a very interesting point in life where you're not with the people you've been with for the last 12 years by no, no choice of your own to the world of being an adult where you get to make your own decisions and make your own way in life and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, certainly the door it opened was like a whole world of new experiences and friends and, um, uh, a, a different world. Like I knew I wanted to be involved with music because I think it's cool. And, you know, through here at CJSW, there was a great opening there because within our membership, uh, there are so many, uh, expert, uh, music lovers, music industry professionals, musicians, period, uh, which the net result is like, a, you know, being connected with different job opportunities. Like I've had two job opportunities kind of come up in my life that, I, that have been great uh, for me that came almost directly through CJSW, like personal relationship. I, you know, met someone here and dated, we dated for a while here, uh, found bandmates here. Like it's a, it's a cool little hive of humanity that also does radio on the side, you know? So like it just, this place attracts very talented, thoughtful folks. And I was fortunate enough to connect with a lot of those people and, uh, learn from them, uh, on a professional level. And then in an informal level, like just learn music. And, you know, sometimes that doesn't necessarily have required direct dialogue, but it does, is something that's our broadcast does so well is you don't necessarily have to be in the same room with that programmer, but when you're listening, you know, like, and having an expert or, or someone who knows what they're talking about, drop a, a hot new track or, or some sort of deep cut that you'd never heard before. Like that's, that's part of the education that I received. And I know that's one that probably most listeners of our station receive daily. 
you've come back to CGSW so many years later and you are now the station manager. What's that like for you? Oh, interesting. I guess we're kind of coming with a working career. Like, you know, once I was done all my schooling, I had a degree that there's no clear path towards uh, employment on. So I found what I want to do myself. I worked in a bar for a number of years um, and then worked at the National Music Center as an event coordinator. Then I came here in 2017 as station manager. Like in a weird way, I I don't feel like I've ever left and I've always had a connection here. Even when I moved away to live in Vancouver and I was going to try and start a business there and that didn't work out. And I came back here and like the week I came back to town, I got a call from the program director at the time, Joe Barima saying like, Hey, do you want your old time slot back? And I was like, yes, yes I do. Uh, so like, you know, it, I don't know how to extract myself from this place, but, uh, uh, here I am. And you know, I, I don't necessarily feel like I've ever been away, but I will say that, you know, the difference between being a volunteer and then becoming a staff member is different. Like your relationships change, uh, and, and responsibilities and how you're perceived and viewed or understood changes and, and what have you. And that's, that's to be expected, you know, when you are at a leadership position at a place like this, where people sustain this place through their passion and efforts and, and what have you. And, and then, you know, when you actually are in a position where you help folks realize those dreams or whatever, or deal with the, the problems that they do have, uh, with the organization, it's, it's a different sort of relationship with the station and the people in it that I think has to happen a little bit, especially for someone who spent the first 80% of their association with the organization as a volunteer. It does change a little bit. Swing back towards the uh, music scene in Calgary and just kind of, I'm wondering what sort of effect you think CGSW has had on the music scene um, in Calgary. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, well, I, I also, I'm speaking as someone who wears many hats. Like I'm also a member of the Calgary music scene. I've been a musician and DJ in the scene as long as I've been, well, lo musician longer than I've been here at CGSW, but DJ certainly as a result of me being a part of CGSW. And in terms of what it does for the scene, it's, it's quite important and now more than ever. So when I joined the station, there was like a lot of, you know, mirrors for the scene as it were, meaning areas where the scene could be reflected in a way that would open up to the public. There was like fast forward magazine or beetroot or any of the publications that uh, exist, but CGSW has always been an important part of that galaxy. Now CGSW is essentially the last entity standing where Calgary musicians can hear their music broadcast to a wider audience and have the legitimacy of, of our broadcast and, you know, the interest there, you know, and the cascading effect of that is like, well, festivals, when they start booking their and, and bar owners and stuff like that start booking their stuff. They, they, they consult us, they ask about us, you know, whether it's actively and when we'll get notes from certain festivals saying like, Hey, do you want to set up a listening community committee of your volunteers that like this kind of music to help us collate and curate a festival? It's like, sure. But it's also happens passively when people look at our charts and, and you know, our programmers are self-directed in what they play. So everything you hear on air is there's an intentionality behind it. It's people like it for some reason. And you know, it's, 
it's it's something we pride ourselves in is having that local focus. You know, it's, it's an unofficial sort of uh, uh, requirement that all programmers have is like keeping 10% of their set local, which is great because that is uh, a, a direct, you know, point of action to kind of get local music broadcast to the community that we serve. So like, now I got a question for you, you know, and to flip it around a little bit, what would our local scene be like if there wasn't a CGSW? Uh, that would probably be, we'd probably be very small and very limited um, because CGSW has such a great reach, whether that be on the FM dial or in podcast format or over the internet I mean, you, you have a, you, you have an audience of the entire world because we have the podcasting and because we have, you know, a live feed that people can listen to on the internet. Um, so I think CGSW has helped the music scene succeed more than most. Yeah, I concur. And I would also extend that sort of uh, support to scenes beyond just the music scene. Like I look at, uh, progressive culture, you know, like CJSW had the first female broadcaster, uh, in Calgary on this station, like a zillion years ago, we have the first LGBTQ plus programming in town. We've had the first, uh, indigenous radio hosts in town on our station. Like we're kind of the tip of the spear for progress and that the residual effect for the city is good. It's actually changing the city into kind of being the, you know, inclusive fun paradise that we all want it to be. But you know, like that needs things like CGSW to do the work day in, day out, reaching people that may not understand, get, or whatever, what we do, but appreciate it. But you know, and that, that, that's, that, that, residual effect over the last 40 years in our city. And I'm a born and raised Calgarian and I like, I've seen it and heard how this station has changed town, this, this town, whether directly or indirectly, it, it's, it's a very, very cool entity to have, especially in a, a city that ostensibly is, con, you know, fairly, fairly conservative and also fairly transient too. You know, it's Calgary's like a port city and we get new ideas and, and, and brought in and what have you. And those could kind of find their way up to, to CGSW because we do have a, an interesting space where people can use this platform to kind of, you know, share their thoughts and feelings on any number of topics. Um, speaking of spaces, now we do have a live, uh, live band room. We have a band room. Um, we have bands on quite frequently. Um, do you think that has, you know, I guess it goes back to what you were saying earlier about the impact that if, if a local band has a chance to play on CGSW, that'll open doors for them. Uh, have you seen that happen or? Yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, our live performances are an amazing way for our listeners to kind of get exposure to music that may not be accessible to them and not necessarily in a sounds type of accessibility, but like if you live in like Mackenzie town, you're not going to the Palomino every weekend to see what's going down because no one has $130 to spend on Ubers, you know? Um, but it, it but you know, by virtue of the fact that we have that space where you can hear local performers and, you know, performers from around the world on our station, not only does it help promote like the festivals, venues, and events that are happening in town, but it, 
on a band level, it's giving you uh, like a live off the floor recording experience broadcast to 20 to 30,000 people at any given time. Uh, you get MP3s of your performance uh, doing it, which are great for like festival submissions, especially if you're like in between recording sessions. You know, if you do a session here uh, to, you know, use for a festival submission package, all the better. And, you know, we've augmented our live bands on broadcast with uh, video capture as well. And, you know, you see it happen, you know, a few weeks or months after any one band performs here, you get a live video out of it, which is incredibly helpful on a band level to help get bookings. We live in an age now where write-ups don't necessarily cut the mustard anymore because no one reads anymore. That might be an, an oversimplification, but I guess the thing I'm trying to say is people prefer watching what they would be getting if they were to book that band. And that we have a, a setup here where we're able to kind of create that space where normally for a band, it's like, okay, we're, are we going to save up like $1,500, $2,000 to make a video? Uh, or are we going to try for this AFA grant or whatever? you know, to, to kind of make it happen where here it's more or less drop us a line. Let us know when you have something special coming up that you want to really promote. We'll, we'll do our damnedest to, to get you on air and on, on YouTube. Um, I know that there are many people out there listening to this right now and hearing your great story and saying, Hey, I really want to get involved. What sort of advice would you give to those listeners who are thinking they're right on the edge they want to come in. They might be a little nervous. What, what would you, what would you, what's your perfect advice or what's your one single bit of advice you would give them? Okay. Well, I'm going to give a, a couple pieces of advice because I think, you know, there's a couple different elements that are handy to know is every, uh, this volunteer opportunity, like any volunteer opportunity is a, a, a sort of phenomenon that you get as much out of it as you put in. You know, so like if you are interested in like learning sound, well, we have opportunities to learn how to do sound engineering here. Make the time to do it. Come in, grind, you know, be, be it's, it's an okay place to make mistakes with that too, you know, and then, because everyone here is learning at their, you know, own rate. You know, I've been doing radio for 25 years and I'm still feel like I'm learning different things all the time. It's something I try to incorporate into the broadcast. I always strive to be better in that regard. The other thing is, uh, you know, be prepared to have a lot of fun. It's, it's a really, really cool place, you know, on the ground. When you first start, you start out with an orientation, then you, it's a graduated process where you then get, pr uh, training on production software, like how we are recording this thing right now. Uh, and then from there you can learn how to do audio engineering. You can we're starting to get into video editing as a, a, as a training option. There's like event management, there's, uh, all sorts of different things. And then when, as soon as you have enough, uh, proverbial dirt underneath your fingernails here, meaning you have a little bit of experience, we get you program trained and learn how to do radio here. And that's, that's, that kind of arc can take as quick as two months or it can, you know, take as long as a year, but you know, it all depends on a number of factors. The biggest one is how much time you're willing to put in. The second one being just, you know, other stuff, you know, it was hard to recruit people during COVID and stuff, but, um, the, 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 the be patient with it and, and be interested, you know, and be curious, 
being curious, especially when it comes to the music piece is so helpful. I came in to CGSW having just worked at a record store for a year before I started volunteering here. And I thought I knew everything about music. And then I came here and realized you were, you were a, a baby in a land of giants. Uh, there's so much to learn here, you know, from conversations with, you know, uh, other volunteers, staff and pro and programmers and the like, or just going through the record library. Like it's, but it, you have to be, I think it really, really behooves the curious out there to, to come volunteer here because you'll be richly rewarded. There's new stuff I find all the time that just keeps me coming back. I love the fact that, you know, there's always a new music coming out and B always old archival music. I never heard before that I think is really, really cool. So yeah. Ask questions, be curious. COVID was a giant thing that came along and really messed people up. Um, what sort of impact does CGSW have for you and what sort of impact? Well, it's a two part question. What sort of impact, um, do you think we had on, on the listeners out there in the world? Definitely uh, March of 2020 was no picnic for anyone. Uh, but for us, it was really an interesting time. We had like pretty much like a day or two to figure out whether or not we would shutter the station and figure out some sort of pre-recorded broadcast solution, or would we kind of open things up and, you know, kind of just be very, very cautious about how things go and, you know, uh, play it by ear. Now we are part of the emergency broadcast network. So I'm, I'll get on the, the, the technical requirements we have. We're part of this emergency broadcast network. And as such, we can't really go off air without repercussion and penalty. Um, that's one thing, but going into this pandemic where, when, you know, when you were hearing, it was almost like the, this this tidal wave that was coming of bad news of like, oh, well, Italy's totally shut down. It's, it's, it's bad. Oh, it sounds like, you know, everything's getting shut down in New York or whatever. And, you know, it, it, when it came, came to us and when we had that time, it's, we, and I gotta say, I, yeah, we, we decided to kind of keep the station open. It was something I, I, with my staff at the time, I, you know, said that, that this is what we would be doing. Um, why? Well, because I realized we'd be going into a time where we would have people at home, people that might be alone, people might be isolated, people that might be starved for routine, people that might, you know, love to hear what we do, you know, because they have no other choice of doing things or they have a galaxy of choices and they're bored with those and they will come to us because we're always unique each, <laughs> each and every day. Um, it was a, it was a tough decision because like not everyone was on board with it. Uh, but I see the purpose of this station as like being here for not only good times, but also for the bad times. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I, I was very emphatic about getting that and like jump the gun on a lot of supply uh, gathering, like, you know, I spent the first month of pandemic driving around town, looking for hand sanitizers and, and all that kind of fun stuff as so many people were. Uh, but the net result is, you know, in terms of the impact and importance is like, well, we were one of the few things that were still running more or less as usual. 
you know, mind you, we did at the height of, I think the first wave, we had about 40% of our programmers submitting pre-recorded pro programs. And that was a huge process in ourselves, teaching dozens of people pretty much overnight how to make radio at home as some folks elected to do it. But as, as the, the whole thing, uh, the whole pandemic situation evolved, you know, we evolved with it, you know, as soon as it was kind of determined that like, oh yes, air filtration is where it's at. We got our air filtration systems in right away. We tried to keep our space as safe as possible. That being said, we also wanted to kind of do what we do and be that community mirror and community voice during this really stressful time for our community and certainly the global community. But, you know, we're mostly accountable to the folks that live in town here. And we were that, that entity that was still doing what we do and that, that is kind of an embodiment, at least in my way of thinking of why this station has received so much love and support over the years is because like, no, it's legit. We're here, you know, day in, day out doing the thing, um, which I hope was appreciated. And I guess like looking on more empirical terms, like I know our online listenership during the, uh, you know, the first year and a half of COVID was about three three and a half times larger than what it had been pre pandemic. So we got on new listeners. We've made new friends. We have friends in Ohio. Now we have friends in, uh, Iowa. We have a, a bunch of, bunch of folks that we connected to our station during the pandemic, just because a, we were doing it live and B, we were actually a real voice doing it, which, which is kind of cool. And you know, that has actually spawned some interesting relationships, uh, between like, you know, programmers and, and, and people that text in from hundreds, if not thousands of miles away, which is kind of a cool thing. And that's kind of really embodies what this place is all about. Well, okay. That just reminds me of something I completely forgot. CJSW has recently released an app. What was that like for you? And what sort of impact do you hope that it will have? Great question. In the last decade or so, Radio has been faced with the same sort of dilemma I think print media had 20, 25 years ago when what what happens when the digital world is overtaking your traditional format, business model, whatever. And the app was in a weird way, in my view, like we've we redeveloped our website in 2014 and it's an awesome website and it still holds up very, very well today. Uh, with the amount of traffic we have, we have three plus months of audio content uh, available at the touch of a button there. So we had the bones already there. And now we're in a spot where we're uh, on the University of Calgary campus and we have 18 to 23 year olds coming into our station looking to volunteer that have never heard of radio, but they know what a podcast is. You know, they've never engaged with like, FM at all, but they know what YouTube does and all that kind of stuff. So like in the kind of goal to keep relevant in not only through programming, but how people engage with programming is incredibly important. And, you know, the app was an initiative that we did during the pandemic to kind of like future proof CGSW as much as it can in terms of like being relevant to upcoming generations of listeners because, you know, it's an observable phenomenon. If you went to the food court right now here on campus and asked like, hey, how many hours of radio do you listen to a week? You know, you would be met with blank stares. It's like, no, I listen to Spotify on my phone. It's like, well, 
if everyone's engaging with their phone as their media hub, we need to be there too. And CJSW.com is an immensely mobile-friendly way of engaging on any digital device. An app is just like a nice uh, sort of easy, clean, one-stop means of engaging with the app and the content. And the app is kind of structured to be a lot like uh, like a Netflix experience or something like that, where you can favor things that are like recommended to you lists and, and thematic kind of lists. So it's kind of going with like how people consumer uh, radio too. Uh, for instance, my... My partner, she uh, loves Stefan Lewis's show, Knotted Roots, which is a excellent R&B show that's on every Sunday from 3 to 4 p.m. Uh, she'll binge listen to like four or five episodes in a row. And that's that's a like a consumer or, you know, change where, you know, still, I like listening to temporal radio. I like li- tuning into Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to hear Tombstone After Dark uh, when I'm making dinner and stuff like that, because like, that's just part of how I like to live my life. But, uh, you know, just seeing how others and upcoming folks are are consuming media. It's like, this is a more accessible and more relevant way than maybe the FM broadcast is, you know, we'll always have the FM piece, but we have to broaden that further to kind of be relatable and, and accessible to, uh, folks. My guest today was Adam Kamis, current station manager. Thank you for listening to CJSW Stories. I'm Josh Corcoran.